Hi, it's episode 5, season 4 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. My name's Jav. Joining me this week, my co-host, John Steggles. Hello. Um, we had hoped to have um, Crackers, a.k.a. Richard Cracknell, from the Oh When the Spurs podcast, but unfortunately he couldn't join us this week, but we hope to have him on some point in the future. Um, right, let's begin with yesterday. What a, what, a, what a game, what a result. It was, wasn't it? It was absolutely fantastic. Um, absolutely fantastic. We killed them. Absolutely killed them. We looked like at times we had the extra man over the pitch, and it was just a, a glorious, looked like glorious sunny afternoon. There we quietened the Everton fans, and we just rolled them over. And for all those people that were probably a bit nervous about our performances and our form and stuff going through, going into the, the rest of this season, I think that's allayed a lot of fears for people. A lot. Great performance today. I think people have short memories. They see they see one game in pre-season against um, Man City. They see the fact that we don't get the results against Chelsea and Burnley. And I don't think we played too badly in either of those games. We weren't at our best, but listen, there were times last season we, we, we weren't at our best at White Hart Lane, but we still got the results. And unfortunately, nobody remembers the, necessarily some of the poorer performances at White Hart Lane. Everybody just remembers 17 wins and, and, and whatnot. So there's a, there's a lot of nervousness. There's almost, uh, amongst some of our fans, a lack of self-belief. It's just, just short memories, you know. Whereas nothing's changed. We've, we've still retained the bulk of our core squad, um, who are, you know who, who've served us well for the last two years. We've strengthened now. Uh, you know, we'll, yes. talk, we'll talk about transfer signings in a bit, but... Yesterday was typical of of what we can do or what we've done over the last two seasons. I even last season, I remember the first three games we didn't start off particularly well. I think we only had one more one more point than that we had at this stage, um, and it wasn't until after the transfer window in September or after the international break that we really pushed pushed on, get, getting as I recall this time last year a fantastic win at Stoke. And yesterday it all came together. Good result, good performance, lovely weather, as you say. Well, that, that second half goal from Harry, early on from Harry Kane, um, if it had gone the other way, it would have been a bit of nervy. But that was just one of the simplest goals that we could have scored. It was just pass, move, pass, goal. It, um, coaching 10-year-old lads, that's what you need to drill into them to do. Pass, move and, ha- and have a shot. And it was just, it was absolutely brilliant football all day. If you look at it, we had, there was performances from players all over the pitch. In the past, we've probably had one or two, you could argue, world-class. You can't see me doing the bunny ears, but I'm doing bunny ears. Bunny ears, world-class players. But yesterday, it looked like we had six or seven world-class players on that pitch, and they were all gelling. Um, I'd put in an argument for for Davis being man of the match and following Poch's comments today on, on how he's improved and stuff. I think that backs it up. But... Ericsson yesterday was unplayable, absolutely unplayable yesterday. He he was 
sublime, brilliant, almost has a touch of the hoddles about him. <laughs> and if you look in the league, there's only him and De Bruyne who can play to that standard in that position. Um, and if we if we ever have to replace him or up, upgrade him even, think about what an upgrade on Ericsson would be. Um, it, it, he's phenomenal. He was phenomenal yesterday. Um, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, he, he's continued his form from the international break. When you think about it, he yeah. did, he did really well. Um, you know, two footed, quick witted, the vision, the touch, the balance. Phenomenal player, absolutely phenomenal. I so much enjoyed watching him yesterday. He was brilliant. He he makes everything tick, and so much of what we do runs through him. Um, on the way up, um, with some Spurs fans and. Um, they were talking about you know, players in the team, and somebody, one of them argued that Ericsson, I'd probably go along with this, is probably our most influ- influential player, more so than Deli Ali. And if, if you think about it, yeah, Deli Ali, phenomenal, for 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 I can't get the words out, an amazing talent. Um, and he pops up with, with goals at crucial times, and in that sense, he's a match winner. But. <coughs> He can go missing in games, and we know he can also cut in those same games. He can pop up and score, but he doesn't influence the play in the same way that Ericsson does. And and with Ericsson, he just you know really makes us tick. Um, I, I, for me, he was man of the match. But I agree, Ben Davis had a really good game. I thought the Tongan was was really good as well. Um, out of Errol, good. Dyer was good as well. Dyer, yesterday. he Dyer. had a brilliant game. There was a point in the first half I can't remember how the move ended but it might have been Ericsson he put through where he he had the ball and then he disguised the pass it was a beautiful pass he just put through somebody I think it was Ericsson um, he, he he looked really self-assured in, in midfield I wonder how much of the fact that um, you know we signed Sanchez who by the way seems fairly solid um, got good reception from the Spurs fans, um, did what he had to do. He wasn't really tested, but did, did what he had to, had to do playing in a back three. But I wonder how much of that, with Sanchez now playing with Alderweireld and Vertonghen in a back three, that freed up Dyer to compete for a midfield um, starting place with Wenyama, who's obviously injured, so he's, he gets that that chance anyway. Um, and how much of that that's going to give him that, that confidence to just come in and just assert, assert his himself in, in games? Uh, definitely. I mean, he, he was solid yesterday. He had perfect positioning. He was disciplined. Um, he gave Ericsson and the people in front of me the freedom. And it, you could, you, you, we're almost playing now a, uh, a three. The three at the back with Dyer sitting there, but you could put Wamnyama in there. You could put Dembele in there. So the depth that we have for that position, it, it, you know, has grown immensely. I was a bit worried when I, I didn't see Dembele starting, but I know he started for Belgium um, in the week. So maybe there's one eye on on the midweek yeah, game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dyer was superb today, and you're right. It's having having Sanchez sitting there, it, it, that that defence now um, looks <laughs> looks unbelievably good. Um, it, it really was a, a superb performance. Question from Ed Brad: How good was Sanchez? Very good. I thought he was very good. Great, great debut. Um, Strick, he, he was quick, composed. Um, he allowed Verts and Toby to, to do what they needed to do, mm. and they were covering for him. He looked strong as well. There was times where you could see players, you know, and you think they thought, "I'll I'll I'll, I'll go in shoulder to shoulder," and they were like just thinking, hey, "This is going nowhere." Um, it, 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 what he does, he, he like I've just said, he just allows us to have one of Dyer or Wanyama in midfield rather than needing the both. Oh, so- and 
it, it's a superb signing. It really is something tactically, which which, which I noticed when we, when we play four two three one, and Dyer sits in midfield. Um, Dyer obviously we had this particularly a lot season before last, Dyer will drop back sometimes and you'll have a three. And when that happens, often I see Dyer will drop um, to the right of the three, sometimes not always necessarily. But certainly when, when we've played with a back three and started with Dyer, he'll tend to be on the right of the three and Alderweireld in the centre. Sorry, the other right. way. Sorry, sorry, the other way around. If we if we if we, if we play if we start him in, in midfield, he'll he'll, he'll he, he tends to drop in the centre of that pairing, and when we play with a three, it's always been the case that he he tends to be on the right. I've seen, and Toby's the cent- central defender in that back three. Whereas yesterday, so I sort of expected when when we'd line up, it would be Sanchez on the right of that, but it was it was Sanchez in the centre. And Alvarez on the right hand side, which sort of makes sense in the sense that both Alvarez and Vertonghen um, play fullback for for the Belgium team, arguably out of position. And yeah, maybe that having Sanchez right in the centre is better in that those two can cover um, the fullback positions when we give when we play with with with, with wing backs naturally. Um, and, San- and Sanchez has got that pace to sweep up if need be. Uh, I mean, apart from the odd time of of Rooney running past the defenders, Everton didn't really have anything at all. We didn't give them anything. Mm. I mean, and and when you see we got that back three, and you've got um, Trippier and, and and Davis in there, they they weren't playing in defence at all yesterday. I would say Davis was so far pushed up, he was coming out of Everton's nostrils. He he was he it was nosebleed territory. He was at the other end of the pitch. Um, it, it, when Rose comes back, will he go, go straight into the team? I don't know. Some people have got I'm gonna rose rose coloured spectacles, shall we say? <laughs> Very um, good. Uh, for, for for that player, but we'll see. Davis has made that position as a zone, and Rose isn't guaranteed to get back into that that starting lineup at all. Um, uh, you know, it, and it's it's a it's a you know we're almost playing seven. You know the, the the those those guys going forward with the, the back three just sitting there. It was it was superb. It's a if we can just keep Eric and Ericsson ticking it along in midfield um, and pulling the strings like he did yesterday, we'll we'll be fine. It's the teams that set up to to nullify what he can do that we struggle against. Chelsea did it well against us, mm. um, so we'll see we'll see going forward how how much freedom he can get. Ericsson can get from the team. Um, and, and then play. I, I like the fact that we started. I mean, Sanchez with a back three. Sanchez gives us that license and also allows Dyer to, to you know uh, compete for a midfield pl- place. Um, and I like the fact that we went that formation. You listen to some of the other podcasts on the Fighting Cock. There was some some debate um, amongst Wendy and some of the guys of Fighting Cock as to whether Trippier and Davis can play the wing back roles. I think they can, and I think they proved that last season. There were occasions where they both. Played that. Um, Davis initially struggled with that position when he came in for Rose into the team, but some of that was probably rustiness. Some of that was probably trying to find his feet and and play that formation. But I think both of them did well. Yes, they don't have the pace that Danny Rose or the lad that we sold to Sheffield United have. Um, but against some of the lesser teams, particularly with Everton, who don't have a great deal of pace on their side, I think they can they can do a job. Um, and we've got enough players at the back that can cover for them 
um, Alderweireld, you know, can complement Davis and and uh, sorry, Alderweireld can co- can complement Trippier and 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 Vertonghen Davis. Um, I mean, you... uh, Toby yesterday was doing some of his lovely di- diagonal long balls. Yeah, <laughs> good to see those again. Yeah. They're sorely missed. They're they're brilliant. I like those. Um, can we have a special mention for Sissoko? <laughs> I'm going to come to him. Um, he had a good game by his standards. Um, the, uh, to coin a phrase, he's put in a shift. He got into the right areas, but I don't think it was happening for him. He could have had a couple of goals mm. and probably cost us a couple more. Um, if you if you crawled, he could say he was Everton's best player. Um, but he, he was he, he did he did all right yesterday. I think he did okay. I think it was good that he was playing in his more favoured central um, position. Yeah, um, he got. He did a few good things at times. Yeah, he did look a bit clumsy. I wonder some of the chances he had when he was through on goal. There was a couple of times where he was caught offside. Whether that was just just rustiness, and whether if he gets more of a run out in the team, you'll see less of that. That first one where he got caught offside, he was looking along the line. There is no excuse for that. No, he's a professional footballer. He knows. You know, he can see everybody else, and he, he gets himself off fight offside. He looked like sometimes he looked like a, um, a FIFA player being controlled by me. Mm. I, I, I'm absolutely crap at that game, and I, you know, I can't play it. But he, he, so, so he does some things. You think that's okay, and then he does some things. You think no, it's not. It, um, we were out yesterday at a country park, and I picked up some leaflets for a, for Shady Oaks Donkey Sanctuary. <laughs> I'm going to pass them to the club, and hopefully they can use them. I, I still don't like him. He was he was okay yesterday, but. Given the, how good the rest of the team were around him, he needs to step up so far. I don't think it's possible. We had a question from further down the running order, but I'll read it now, from Kent Goodrich. He says, where does Sissoko keep the compromising photographs of Pochettino? What's he done to warrant a start? Now, the flip side of that, Jess Nickel, um, who I know is quite uh, I wouldn't say a fan of Sissoko, but... Um, Defends him, says, well, alongside his 50 caps for, 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 for France. I mean, there is an argument that this is he's a player who's an established French, French international. But isn't that then part of the frustration, though, with Sissoko, that we expect so much more from him? Forget the price tag, but just that, you know, he's an established French international, he's an established Premier League player, yet. Well, he... His movement's good. Uh, and we did benefit from his strength in, uh, on certain times, but. Technically, he's not there. Um, Would he? Would he get into? Get into a lot of other sides, but like I say, given how good the rest of our side is at the moment, should he be in there? The the illicit photographs—they're probably in a a safety deposit box with an envelope that you know. If I go missing or I don't play, it gets sent to the press. If you had to rate him, I'd say he's no better than a five out of ten. He, yes, he was good yesterday, but. No, not for me. Not for, still not for me. Mm. Um, a few comments from listeners. Rob Cracksford, well played game. It wasn't quite men against boys, but we were so much better. David Phipps, can we play them every week? We looked great in every area of the pitch, apart from the one Hugo kick. But let's not talk about that. Um, yeah, that that we could if, have. Got... If you were a professional footballer, would you pass the ball back to to um, Hugo? Knowing what he, how bad he can be, would you pass it back? Uh, it was well, it was Sanchez, wasn't it? Who, who, who passed it back to him yeah. a few times? Okay. And I wonder whether that was just the fact that he's only been teammates with him for, for five minutes. Surely, the you know the last three seasons has shown has shown the players anything. Don't pass the ball back. 
Mm. You know, they, they say idiocy is the repeatedly doing the same things over and over again and getting the sound, same outcome. And it seems to me they, they're still passing it back and they're still getting the same outcome. But, you know, but being in the position to pass it back is probably more of the issue rather than him having yeah. to kick it out. They need to shift it forward quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I was on the train on the way back. It's really weird coincidence. So um, there was a guy that I went to school with, an Everton fan, about 25 years ago. Um, Leverton fan living in London I knew him from um, say middle school from about ages of 8 to 12 years old um, and I've not seen him in 25 years um, 1992 was the last time I saw him and on the train back lo and behold um, he calls out my name he recognised me and I did that thing where you look at somebody and I'm trying to, I'm looking at him and I'm trying to think do I know him? Is he somebody that I might know online from a Facebook group or something that I've never met before? And then he said who he was, and then the penny dropped. And it also so happened that the seat that he'd booked or reserved was right next to me. So I was getting the train back with him and two of his mates, um, Everton, all Everton fans. Um, they weren't quite as complimentary about us, I've got to say. I mean, he said, well, you know, we were still in, in, in it at 2-0, but credit to you guys, you, we came out first half quickly but you came out even quicker out of the blocks and at 3-0 that was it game over um, but, uh, I, I, um, I don't think they're ever in it their defending was atrocious yesterday they weren't marking people they weren't closing people down you give any of the, the, the front guys the time and space that they have um, and they'll punish you uh, and they just, they just did they couldn't cope with this yesterday I, I, I think they were they were possibly trying to make the best of a bad situation um, uh, uh, towards the end, I wanted us to take Ali off and put Lorente on and go two up top, and and just just batter them even more. I think that would have been a, a move. I uh, um, I, th- I think Ali was a little bit infectious yesterday, and like you say, drifts in and out of games, and he was he was out of that one yesterday. Can I just say, was uh, the crowd yesterday, the the Everton fans were silent. All I could hear yesterday were the Spurs chants all the way through. Yeah, all they, the way through. They were. They we, they really didn't have much to think about. I mean, a lot of them left early. Um, the and the stick, by the way, that we gave Wayne Rooney was was quite amusing. So um, one of the popular chants that, that was sung was, "You only drink when you're driving. You only drink when you're driving." And he he got a lot of stick, a lot of pelters. Um, that 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 came through loud and clear on the stream I was watching. I have to say, it, uh, loud and clear. As did the chant of, um, "There's only one Aaron Lennon." Yeah, that was good. To see. Uh, that that was nice to hear as well. I think that would, um, and I know that got a round of applause from whatever fans were left in the stadium. But uh, yeah, that's nice. You know, we never forget one of our own. Absolutely. Um, just. Going off a tangent, just just coming back to to, to, to these guys, I was I know we're going to discuss transfers in a minute, but um, the guys that I was on, on the train back with, we were talking about Ross Barkley, and they were all very critical of Barkley, um, and they were quite happy for us to purchase him in January at reduced price or even on a free transfer. Um, they just didn't didn't rate him. Their their belief was that he can't think for himself. And he has to be told what to do. My argument was, well, he's got the perfect manager in Pochettino who can mould him and give him instructions and tell him what to do. And they were like, yeah, that's all well and good. But once he's on the pitch, he needs guidance. And he's just he's just like a headless chicken. So um, it will be interesting, should that move materialise in January, possibly, um, or not, whether, if it does happen, how that particular transfer pans out. It's now becoming a situation where it's it's almost inevitable. 
there's a tedious sense of inevitability that we're going to end up signing him. And, there, you know, there's the very real possibility that we'll be buying another ringer like Sissoko. So one of the things that uh, I was heartened from was getting rid of, uh, well, not getting rid of, was putting Janssen out on loan. Mm. You know, rather than persist with him and see, is he going to come good? Is he going to come good? No, cut our losses, get him out on loan, get somebody else in and change it up. And I'm glad that the club down, went down that road. And he... Would we be better off with Barkley uh, in that position? Possibly, possibly not. I'd like to see what Poch can do with him. Yeah. But then I think for the money that we may have to outlay for him, there may be better options that we can buy. And I'd also like to see Winks playing in that role more. There, there may be indeed. I mean, there's, there's some talk of that, that, that Barkley will be the long-term successor to, to Dembele. But as you say, Winks um, is someone that looks good in that role. He might not have the strength of... Dembele to shrug off opponents, but he's he's good in possession. Um, he, he can keep the ball, he can keep it moving. Um, uh, one thing I would say about uh, about Barkley is, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Pochettino can do with him. But even if that even if that move happens in January, um, or dare I say, even better <laughs> next summer. But I think by that point, we're probably lost interest in him. But if, 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 it, if it's next summer, it'll be free. If it's January, it will be a reduced price. What? 15 million 20 million possibly yeah yeah possibly. okay and i can see us if it goes tips up and it doesn't work out and it's another yampson or Sissoko, i can see us selling him on to i don't know watford or somebody and and make a nice little profit which i know it's not about that and it's about the football but i'm just saying i don't think it we would financially be to um, listen, we we made a hefty amount of money on um, Kevin Vimmer, so if we can if we can do that with with, with Vimmer, um, I don't I don't think there's any reason we we can't do that with a supposedly young, exciting English talent in quotation marks. Um, if it went wrong, um, particularly that you know he's, he's, he he does sign for us in January, it'll, it'll be a reduced fee. Um, should we talk about the other transfers? Unless there's anything yeah, else yeah, on, yeah. On, on Everton we want to go through. Um, Gazaniga, I think we, we, we discussed on the last pod, and Sanchez, who mentioned looked good, touched on Barkley. Um, Uriye, we talked about, I think, on the last podcast. He does look a good addition, both in terms of price, but what, what he can do compared to Walker. So arguably we've strengthened there. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, it would have been nice perhaps for him to get a run out and, and you know, went, uh, towards the end of the game when everybody was a bit tired and just inject some pace into it. Mm. But again, it played for France in the week, so maybe he'll get a start against Dortmund. Um, but yeah, it'd uh, be interesting to see how he does uh, and if he if it maybe goes Adebayor on us. Lorente, very happy with it. Very happy with Lorente. I wanted him when he left Bilbao, yeah. if I'm honest. We were linked with him years ago. Very happy with him. The amount of goals he scored last season, he'll, he'll be a, a solid addition, I believe. Very solid addition. Well, if you look at all of those signings, so, okay, Gazaniga for Lopez, that's just a sort of straight third goalkeeper. Um, Sanchez in for um, Vimmer. That's if you like. That's a, that's a good addition on paper. Yes, so, so far, yeah. Um, it's certainly got more paces, more more mobile. Um, and you know, Pochettino was was quite happy to start him yesterday. Whereas would he have started Vimmer? No, almost certainly. If no. and, it, and if one of the lads, Toby or the Tongan, had an injury, would he have started Vimmer? Yes, he started Vimmer uh, two seasons ago, but last season he was reluctant to do so. The one or two times he came in, he didn't cover himself in glory. Um, 
one of the things that Poch has always done is try well that I can recall is always bring players in uh, slowly or gently or, or try and integrate them into the team in a way that they you know people aren't getting disrupted and we you know but yesterday was just right Sanchez is in he's he, bang he's doing a job and it's like we can't look back now <laughs> we can't you know we've seen the future and it's it's that defense so rah <laughs> brilliant brilliant signing for the money and you know he, he looks like he's been with those two guys all his life uh, and fourth I guess for Carter Vickers um yeah, but again, we'll just have to. See. He'll probably get cup games to begin with. Again, one that he, that Poch may bring through slowly, like I just suggested he does. Um, but we'll see. I saw him. Get, there was a, the clips of him getting off the team bus yesterday. He looks very slight, very slight player. Um, mm. wisp, wispish. He's not. He, you know, San, Sanchez. It, it, give him a couple more years. Sanchez is going to get bigger and uh, be more of a beast. He's, he's not. He's not Victor. He's very, very slight player. Gazaniga and um, and his other compatriot Lamella will take him out for some Argentinian steak and beef him up. Um, so Brilliant. It'll, it'll be fine in a few years. And Aria, we've mentioned obviously an upgrade on 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 Walker, hopefully. And Florente. Now that this is the interesting one. So as you say, you know, with Janssen, we're all sort of hoping that it will come good. But to be honest, I, I've I've got a real bugbear with this, which is Tottenham fans going on about. Janssen and, and wishing him and egging, on, egging him on to do well. And don't get me wrong, I, 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 with any Tottenham player, I want him to do well. But there comes a point where we can't be, we can't afford to carry passengers. And I've seen this so many. We've both seen this so many times over the years. You know, you think of Rebroff, you think of Helder Postiga. <coughs> okay, he was quite young, I suppose, like like Janssen. You you think of. Um, Trying to think, of other strikers that we've had that, that, that haven't struggled, even elsewhere at, at, at other clubs. Um, not maybe the best example, but Chelsea. I remember Chelsea when they signed years, 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 years ago. Robert Fleck, who was a prolific striker at Norwich, when they signed Chris Sutton. Um, United when they signed Diego Forlan all those years ago. Shevchenko. Um All of the current Arsenal side. Yeah, current <laughs> Arsenal side. And it's there are particularly with strikers. They really need to hit the ground running and do what they do, but do what they you, you've recruited them to do, which is essentially score goals. Forget about the work, the build-up play, and all the other things which they may or may not do or contribute to. Ultimately, goals first and foremost. What what, what they're judged on, and I've seen it so many times with cl- clubs. And you persevere and you persevere. There's a point you've got to cut your losses. And also, as a club, we've reached the point where we can't afford to. We're not this mid-table team from the noughties or, or, or early noughties or nineties. We we're one of the big boys now and we can't afford to have a weak link and he's got Harry Kane in front of him he's got Son in front of him who's not an out and out conventional striker and he's also got, now got Florente who is somebody who's got what average goal every two two games at Swansea um, yep. not to mention what he's done elsewhere and internationally so uh, he was effectively the fourth, fourth striker in a, in, where, in a system where, where we play um, tend to play with one target man or one one striker so um, Lorente could be seen as the plan C or D or everyone would call it because it it could be just right hoof the ball over the top if we're not getting any joy playing through the defense get him to uh, knock it down get a head get get his head on it and it just changes that up a bit and we've you know Harry may be a complete striker he's got the touch he's got the vision you know he can pull defenses in and out but it just gives us that extra little option to to, for somebody to come on Um, and you know you're saying about um passengers um at clubs 
the Fenerbahce strike force of Janssen and Soldado mm-hmm. will be striking fear into lots of defences this season. Oh, and, they've, and they've got Robert Van Persie as well. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God, hear um, me. Uh, the thing about Florento, other than being that plan B, he's also somebody that I feel that, firstly, if he does come off the bench, I've got confidence that he's going to score. I don't have that confidence yeah. with the Ampson. Secondly, if, God forbid, if, if, if Kane got another injury like he did last season and was out for a period of time, okay, it's questionable whether he'd start with Florente or he might go with Son as he, as he did last season. But I tell you what, if he does go with Florente, again, I've got that confidence in Florente that he can find the back of the net. I'd never had that with the Ampson, not at any point. And, so any Spurs fan to, uh, says he only had five minutes here and there, but he got he, he got a fair share of starts. You go back and look at all the stats. Go back at the games he did start start, and I'm not, and I'm not talking just just like the cup games against Wickham or um, Gillingham or or Liverpool in 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 the um, EFL, but also there were a few league games that he started when Kane was injured in the first spell, and he didn't take those chances. Yeah. yeah um, I- we, we've we've did, we've done well, and what we've done, we've uh, improved the squad somewhat. And looking at yesterday's bench: Winks, Dembele, Lorente, Son, Oria, uh, and uh, Walker Peters. That's a very very strong bench. Uh, Victor, Lamella, and and Mr. Rose to come back into that. And in Kundu uh, as well. Exactly. We you know we we'll be fine. This we're going to be fine. Better off than we were last season. Uh, it, it, it's good to see. It, you know and. The, a lot of a lot of criticism was thrown at the club during the transfer window about not buying these players and this that and the other, but we've done our business and we're I'm, I'm happy. Before we do, um, before we come to Bex and uh, update the Spurs ladies, just very briefly, um, the change in the transfer window proposed earlier this week. Um, so that's it's going to, from as of next season, the summer window will will end before the start of our domestic season. I don't know how that affects. <coughs> European leagues because some of them start at different times to us. I, I believe I believe it's to stop the trading within the Premier League clubs, but we could still sell. We couldn't buy from um, European clubs. We could sell to them if we or, you know, and do loans if we needed to. I believe that's the way it affects it. But if we if we're getting all our business done before the league starts, we'll win it. <laughs> that's true. No, I think that's good, and that creates a level playing field. I mean, it'd be interesting. I just wonder looking at our transfers. Whether the transfers of particular, less so Foyth, I think he's one for the future, but particular San- Sanchez, and if he plays regularly in a back three, that could change the dynamics of our club uh, and gives us options elsewhere with, with pushing Zara into midfield. With Uria and competing for Trippier, I know there's a question about Uria and Trippier later in the running order, and Florente, whether this could be the turning point in our season in the same way that last transfer window Chelsea signed. Um, uh, David Luiz and I think it was Alonso, possibly, right. and and then they started to hit, hit some form from from after that window. Whether this could be our our, our turning point, which we shall see. But uh, yeah, next season it, it's good that it, it'll start, it, it'll it'll close by by the, by the start of the season. Um, yeah, I, I know we're probably going to come to later on, but don't forget we'll be we'll be back home next season. Absolutely, yeah, that will, that will be good as well. Um, the international break, um, we had that this week, it's always frustrating. Um, slightly better, I, I, I thought, for the fact that we had a transfer window as well, um, just ran about the same time um, or the previous week, but um, the excitement of that 
helped, I think, get through the boredom of watching some of the games, the Dower games, particularly um, following England. But um, I, I can't stand international football, if I'm honest with you. I can't, I can't genuinely can't cheer for a team with any other anything else than Tottenham players in it. Mm. I, I, I can't, you know, get excited about seeing any other club players apart from Tottenham. So I, I, I try and avoid it like the plague. I really do. I just don't like it. But I, I would say there's an argument for having the, uh, the the qualifying for international tournaments in the in the summer period beforehand. So as a, like you have a mini round robin for all the teams in your group in the summer. It's done. Then going forward for the league, there's no breaks for you know three weeks in having an international breaks. Fucking stupid. And then you could have a you could have a winter break. You could put the winter break in. That everybody needs. Mm. You know, I, I just I just don't get it. We're going to get another in, uh, international break in in about three or four weeks for some pointless friendlies. Uh, get 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 it in the sea. Fuck it off. It's, it, get it done in the summer. Have a little tournament in the summer, and then give. You know, it's going to be much better for football. What I would like, um, I think that the flip side of your argument, unfortunately, is that international managers will say they need time to get together with players because otherwise if you play all the games in the summer then you're not going to see those players for, for another 12 months <laughs> um, what I would like is a situation where particularly within the Europe well, obviously it would be different for other continents but with, particularly within the European section because we've, we've got so many teams now you know particularly when you think of the breakup of ussr and um yugoslavia and 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 fall of the iron curtain and 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 also the expansion of of both the euros and the world cup with so many more teams it's a lot more games groups are a lot bigger but then you have these pointless games against malta and um whoever uh macedonia um what they what they do in asia for instance i think they also do it for example in africa is those, should we say, lesser or inferior teams, I really sound patronising. Um, they play off against each other, like in the first first group. Um, okay. So, for example, in in Asia, you have the big boys, like um, I, I, let's say, I don't know, it would be say um, Japan, South Korea, Iran, Saudi Arabia, um, those sort of teams um, that take part in um, qualifiers and uh, for example I I don't know are in groups of say two groups of four teams or five teams or whatever okay Um, Okay. but the the teams that never qualify for the World Cup ever like India for example play in in rounds below that so they don't actually face any any of those teams so it's almost like all the crapper teams play each other and then the best of the crapper teams then go through. So effectively, what you could do is go back to a situation, I suppose what, what I'm hoping for is where you have smaller groups and you have qualification groups of maybe four teams or five teams um, and you've got the good teams. You've got England and, say, I don't know, Italy in one group, That would, which happened in the past, you know. Um, that would be tough because one of those teams would arguably miss out or the other one would have to play off. Um, but then le- less of the inferior teams and therefore less matches and then hopefully less of those double headers over the course of the season and less international breaks. But also I'd like to think that therefore if you've got better teams taking part, you know, if you've got a group with say England and Holland, you get a better quality of football and maybe international football will be a bit more bit more interesting. That's how I'd I would still, do it. I'd still have to cheer for Man United, Arsenal and other players in the, Europe, in the international side and I still can't do that. Um, I, I, th- I think if it changes, it has to change globally it can't just change for england or the european yeah. stuff you, you know uh, you'd all have because everybody would have to be in on the qualifying thing but i think that a change is needed 
because I, I just don't see how they can you can get hyped up for the start of the league and you know everything's getting built up the 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 transfer window had barely closed and then oh it's a break we got a couple of international matches and it's just like wow what and then you got the danger of your players getting injured when your league's just starting. I, 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 I'm all for well. You can't get rid of it completely because everybody likes a, a World Cup at the end yeah. of the day. Um, but it, yeah, I, I'd say go for the go for qualifying in the summer. You get your winter break in. You could even make the leagues run a little bit shorter because you're not having three or four international breaks hmm. through the year. Just to suggest, you know, there's no no right or wrong of it. And the FA at the end of the day are going to do what, and the football clubs and FIFA are going to do what's best to make money. And if they think that making money is better by having breaks within leagues and things like that, then that's the way it's going to be. Okay. Um, in the second half of the podcast, we'll take some more questions from listeners and also preview the Dortmund and Swansea games. Before we do, here is Bex with this week's Spurs Ladies update. Hello, people. It's Bex. Uh, to let you know what's been going on in the world of Spurs Ladies, it's been pretty quiet of late because they're still effectively in a closed season. However, this week there was... Um, an event at the Grosvenor House Hotel in London where Karen Hill, Spurs Ladies Manager, picked up FA Women's Premier League Manager of the Year whilst the club overall picked up the FA WPL Club of the Year. Nice double for the girls. For those that aren't aware, Karen uh, has been managing the team for almost 10 years. She's taken the team from the South East Division of the Premier League to, sorry, that's the FA Women's Premier League, um, to WSL2. She said after the event, I'm so proud to pick up this award, but it really is for everyone at the club, the coaches, the players and all the staff behind the scenes who work so hard. Last season was phenomenal and a dream come true for everyone to win the league title at White Hart Lane. You really couldn't have written that script. The girls don't actually play, uh, start their league campaign until Sunday 24th of September when they have to schlep all the way to Durham. Anyone know where that is? Proper Southerner, not got a clue. To make sure they're fit for that game, they are obviously playing pre-season's games. They played against Chelsea's development team uh, last weekend and had a nice little 6-3 win over them. They've got two further friendlies. Uh, today they'll play Reading at Chesson and they've got a game against Millwall that is yet to be confirmed. Anyway, there's not really a great deal to say until their season kicks off. A couple of new signings. Um, Sarah Wiltshire joined. She's done really well so far. Um, if anybody wants to know anything further, I am on Twitter at Bunchespecs. Cheers, thanks, bye-bye. Welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Right, um, before we do questions, let's just look at our next two games. So we've got Dortmund on Wednesday at home and then Swansea at home. At home, not neutral venue, at home. On, at home. At, at home, at, at our beloved new home, temporary home, um, that we all love so much and that we're going to win and beat Dortmund and beat Swansea. Um, how are we going to do in those those games? Let, let's look at Dortmund. Um, uh, the lineup. Um, we talked about Sissoko earlier and, and Dembele. I think that the lineup that started yesterday will pretty much be the same, other than I think Dembele will start ahead of Sissoko, and I think Uriah, who's got a lot more Champions League experience with PSG, will get the nod ahead of Trippier. But otherwise, I think it will remain unchanged. Um, I think he rested Dembele. Um, because he started against Belgium. So I think Dembele will come in for um, Sissoko, Mm -hmm. if I'm honest. Um, I don't... Last year, there was weak... You could say that we had weakened teams in the Champions League. I don't think we're going to go for weakened teams this season. I think it's just going to be... Well, 
given our squad at the moment, it's it's all big guns and it's all guns blazing. So uh, yeah, I can see Dembele for Sissoko in, um, and I think we'll get a draw. I think it'll be one all. Is my prediction. Um, I'm going to be um, not as conservative as you, and I'm going to say we're going to win that match. There's no logic, rhyme, or reason. I'm just going to. This is just my heart talking and not my head, and I just think we're just going to go and put in a fantastic performance under the lights at Wembley, and it's going to be talked talked about in the years to come, and we're just going to get carried away and then Swansea are going to bring us down to earth on Saturday um, uh, no, uh, no Swansea their pony will fashion yeah. um, it will be a drawn in the win and uh, the monkey will be out, off our back for, for Wembley going forward um, uh, um, on the line I'd say we may go unbeaten for the rest of the season at Wembley from now on I think Ooh. we uh, after that performance against Everton we're the same team as we were last season and we can put in the same performances. I think going forward, I don't think, even this is including Real Madrid, I don't think we'll get beaten at Wembley again this season. There you go, you can quote me on that. That's the 10th of the 9th, 2017. And in two weeks' time, you can come back and laugh at me. <laughs> there is um, there's one game that I'm worried about at Wembley. Actually, there are two matches that I'm worried about. and That's Wembley, um, Liverpool and Man City. Um, Liverpool have got a pony defence and they Man do. City have got a pony defence they, both of them do and that's why I don't think either of them will, will, will win the league I just think that they tend to do particularly Liverpool under Klopp they tend to do well against us and I'm worried that those two matches at Wembley they could if if we can improve if last year if we'd have improved on our um, results versus the top six we would have walked away with the league again going back to you know the definition of idiocy is doing the same things again over and over and over and getting the same result Poch must have learned from last season, so he will not send us out in the same shape against those sides. So I think we'll do better. I can't say that we're going to beat them, but we will do better. Okay. So, so a win against Swansea. I mean, I, 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 I tongue in cheek earlier said that they'll bring us back down to earth, but I, I agree with with you on that one. A, a win, a win there. But you're thinking a draw for Dortmund. Yeah. I would. I'm going to go for the win, but like I said, that's more my heart talking. Um, in my head, but I would take a draw to be honest. I think a draw would be at home would be perfectly respectable. And bearing in mind, if 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 Real are going to win the group, and if they're going to be the the Monaco and of, of this season's group, and um, and it's between us and Dortmund, and Dortmund are the Leverkusen, if we can not drop any points at home to them, particularly on the first game, that would be a good start. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be it's going to be a draw. And um, I, I'm not. Re- I haven't seen how Dortmund are doing this season. I don't know if they, you know, they're as strong as they once were. I know they got Aubameyang, and uh, but let's see how they do. I think it's a draw. I think it's a draw. Okay, right. Let's finish off with some questions um, on Twitter at Only Spurs. The way we played at Newcastle and Everton shows me the club stayed. Shows me that cl- the that club stadium suits us better. Do we play too slowly and carefully at Wembley? No, I think um, the Chelsea game, they did a number on us and stopped Ericsson from pulling the strings. And that, But that shows that we need to negate that tactic if it, if we get it pushed onto us again. Um, I don't think we play, I, th- I think we played well at Wembley so far. It's, it's, it's fine margins. Mm. Um, and maybe club stadiums do suit us. But um, Wembley is our home. 
So, you know, we should uh, treat it as such and, and win and play, you know, and, and just go out and, and give everything as I, they do. I think, uh, I don't want to bang on about Wembley, but I think that, um, okay, let, let's differentiate between the pitch and the stadium for a minute. I think with the pitch, there's all this talk about, oh, it's too big and this, that and the other. Um, the reality is, and I understand also, you know, if it's slightly bigger, trying to play that pressing game is going to be maybe a bit more difficult or, or, or um, demanding on the players. I get all of that, but I don't buy into that argument. As I said before, then, there was a time when, under AVB, the pitch at White Hart Lane was supposedly too small, and that was causing us a problem. Well, we overcame that problem in, in the last few years. Um, a lot of the grounds that we play um, away from home are you know, a lot bigger than... White Hart Lane, um, Hull last season. So I don't think the pitch thing is such an issue. The stadium, I agree that, you know, more traditional club stadiums, you think of White Hart Lane, for example, Everton, particularly close to the pitch, and I think that our fans like that. And I think our fans don't like Wembley. And yes, the the way that it, the stadium is designed, it's, it's more for events rather than a football stadium. And, and acoustically, it can, it can be shit, but... I, if we get a good result, um, in you know, in, in any one or both of the next two matches, and we get a couple of goals, the place is going to be rocking. The place will be really good, and the people are going to come 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 out of there. Think, oh, that, you know, that was a good day. It's it's only when it's shit. It's only when things don't go well. People come out of it and think, um, oh, you know, that was bloody Wembley, and I and I didn't enjoy myself. That sort of thing. I, I, to be honest, I don't think it's to do. I mean, Wembley is an almost commercial dome bowl that you know you just pull your money in and it all rolls down to the cashiers. But I think it's more to do with the formations of teams that we play against. Yesterday, Everton set up in a certain way, and we were able to play against them. And they, I think they were they were quite narrow, and we exploited that with with you know how well Davis did on one side and, and Trippier getting forward as well on the other. It's more more to do with the formations of teams that we play against and um, and what they try to to do rather than the grounds that we play in. You know we'll be back at a club club stadium next next year. It's going to be bigger, and we're we're going to have to adapt to that again. But I, I, yeah, I don't I don't think it's anything to do with it, so much the stadiums as the formations of the teams really. How did that Wembley question get on the get on the running order? I, don't thought, know. I thought I, I thought we weren't going to talk about Wembley. Um, who put together this running order? Um, they should be fired. Um, whoever whoever did that. Um, um, <laughs> Mark, Mark Stoll. Um, are you as tired as I am of the constant constant fouls on on Delhi? I think <laughs> I think it's about time Poch spoke up about this. Um, niggly little fouls get put in on all other players and I think Ali's just under the spotlight more with his uh, gesture towards the, the man from Sheffield um, in the England match um, so you know he's, he's got 100 games up now as, as our Delhi for us um, uh, yeah he does get niggling fouls but they all do and what teams will target players in certain areas to stop them playing they will identify that play where the the active areas where they can where they can create damage and and certainly little niggly fouls that they can get away with will be done in areas to stop teams playing. Arsenal are very good at it. Um, Liverpool do it. Man City do it. Um, Chelsea at Wembley was a prime example of shitty fouls and niggly fouls that weren't getting any cards or any attention in areas that stopped us playing. Do we do it enough? Um, no. Well, we don't need to. 
we're better than that, Jav. We're better than that. We should do. It more. We should. Well, perhaps the question is: We should. Should we? You that's, know, that's, we should. I, I don't know. That, 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 that's, that's what I'm getting at. Do we need that little nasty streak? Well, that's, that's where we got Delhi, and he needs to do that. But um, I, I think that, and, and Victor, Victor does it to great effect, and Dyer does as well. So yes, I. Again, if you look at a game objectively, you're not going to see those little fouls, are yeah. you? As being, and, and when you do get a yellow card, you're going to think, "I was never a card." That was, you know, you know, that kick in the face was never a red card. Um, going back to that what about the, the the match we were at was it Swansea last year mm-hmm. at White Hart Lane where Walker got one in the face and that wasn't yep. even the oh, card yeah, very early on was that yeah. was it yeah. um, I think it was Swansea was it, I remember, was it Routledge or it, no um, or Norton might have been Norton but yeah that that, yeah. that you know that wasn't even a yellow card um, uh, coming back to Mark's question I would argue that firstly that's the biggest compliment you can play to Delhi. The fact that he, those constant fouls are coming onto him. I think of Cristiano Ronaldo being targeted a lot, for example. Um, Delhi Ali is a really good player. Um, is he a great player? He could be. Is a he a great... is he a world class player? I would argue he's not a world class player yet in the way that Ericsson perhaps is in that the way what I said earlier about him not maybe influencing games Um, that might be fine that might not be in his makeup that he's maybe a different sort of player Um, but he could be an even better player and I think the mark of of Deli Ali stepping up to the next level is having that edge but also having the temperament and and not doing stupid things but but also being able to when he is constantly fouled almost avoiding that almost being clever um, in Losing his marker. Um, I remember years years ago, um, Gary Lineker saying that you know he was he was marked and often you know sometimes he'd get two markers on him and often what he would do is say if he had a centre back marking him he would move towards I don't know let's say he was playing Nottingham Forest he would if he had I don't know Des Walker marking him he would go towards the left and and stick on Stuart Pearce's toes. And effectively lose Des Walker, or he would take Des Walker with him, and then that would free up space for somebody else. Um, and I just wonder whether, you know, with Delhi, it's being clever and not. You can't avoid the, the, the constant fouls all, all, altogether, um, but just, just, you know, being in better positions and losing his marker. I, the, the, people will try and he's, he's known to have a hot temper so people will try and target him and wind him up a little more um, but yeah you're right it is a compliment but yeah, I don't think he's world class yet he's got a, he's got a, a way to go before he can be considered that uh, he'd like to be and I think he's on the right path if he can keep going in the, the route, he, route he does um, Neil Taylor was the one that booted Walker in the face yeah I, th- I, th- no, I, I think on, on yeah, I suppose what I'm saying with with, with Delhi, it, it, the measure of that getting him to the next level is how he challenge overcomes those challenges, you know, both from escaping his marker, but also when he does get lots of fouls, um, having the temperament to deal with that um, and rising above it. Um, question from Sam Moore: With Uriah having signed, does this mean Trippier going back to being the second choice right back? And if so, is he the unluckiest player in football? Who trips? Yeah, he's a very lucky player because he plays for Tottenham. Let's um, see how Aurea does. Mm-hmm. If if he if he um, turns out to be um, the Messiah, then you could probably argue that you know. But trips will come in and do a job. At yeah. the moment, he's he didn't. Do, 
he had the dip at the start of the season. He's picked up. Um, perhaps he just needed a rest. Perhaps he had a niggling little injury. But we've yet to see how Aurea does. Uh, you know, Aurea m- might not be anything special. We don't know yet. So l- let's just wait and see. Absolutely. And 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 if he if he does if Aurea is that special player, if he is Carl Walker plus one, um, he. Uh, Tri- Trippier, we know he he can do a job. He offers something different. Firstly, he, may, he might not have the the pace that Uriel Walker has, but he, he's. I mean, yesterday there were so many times he just get the ball, and then he just his his crosses were were Beckham esque. Um, yes, and he offers something different, and against different opposition, and also with with the way we play, with the, whether we whether we play with a back three or whether we play four two three one, those fullbacks really like to Pochino really likes to push. Them, them up the field and and that's a demanding role so we need we re, if, if, if there's any one position in that team where we really need cover and we need good cover it's a fullback position and we've got that yeah. hopefully now with Aria and and um Trippier competing we've got but, that with Ben Davis Rose when he comes back and we've got that with Carl Walker Peters who can play in either or of those positions yep yeah and, and I'll just say Trippier's crosses with Lorente on the end of them bring that on Bring that on. That that that'll be that'll be worth it. Um, just on on fullbacks, I had a question from Greg Taylor who says I'm not in a rush to get rid of Danny Rose, but if we can find another left back for a similar price too and as good as Uria at right back, if he if he lives up to his hype, he goes on to say, should we cash in on obviously a disillusioned Rose? Um, and as a follow up to that, our own David Fornell has commented, Ryan Session. You say it. Sessignon. Sessignon. Um, I would say that the, the name on the front of the shirt is bigger than the name on the back. With ex- But there are some exceptions. We would never look to get rid of Harry Kane or try and, if we were trying to upgrade Kane or Ericsson, we, we would struggle. Rose, if he's obviously that unhappy uh, and a club made, makes a ridiculous £50 million offer, Daniel Levy would snap his hand off, I think. And I think he would be led by Poch on that. And if Poch thinks that they can get another player in, then I think they would do business. Um, Sessegnon, 16. Uh, is he ready for the Premiership? I, I scored yesterday for Fulham. I don't know um, about him. But would we cash in on Rose? I think they'd, they'd pretty much... They'd, there's a, there's a, there's about seven or eight players that they cash in off the money, if the money was right, if I'm honest. Do you think... I, I, can't, I don't let me ask you this. I don't, I don't know if I've asked you, asked you from, on, on the last pod, but do you think... Probably didn't, in fact. Do you think it's Curtin for Rose? No, not at all. I think he can get back into the side, and he's got. But he's got to work bloody hard, and he's got to um, show himself some dedication uh, to the cause, and 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 prove to us that he's worth the spot. Like I say, he can't just walk. He can't as soon as he's fit and training. He can't expect to walk back into that spot because Davis is doing so well. Yeah. He's, so he's got to he's got to work bloody hard to 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 get into that side. I don't think it's curtains. I think he's on thin ice. I think I don't think the door is closed on him, but I think um, his comments that he made. I don't actually think they're the worst thing. I've, you know, there are players in the past that have done said and done things at clubs which have been far worse, and have managed to survive and and have managed to make amends and, and move on. And I think that potentially he can do that as well. I just think he's on thin ice at the moment, and he needs to prove himself both in terms of performances and attitude. I don't think it's I don't think the, the door's shut. And I think that the fact that he's injured is 
convenient in the sense that we can't yeah. really sell him on at the moment, if, if even if we, even if we wanted to, and it gives him that window, him and the club to take stock of things, and and yeah, maybe hopefully he he can come back um, and show the right performances and the right attitude and. And we can move on. Um, final two questions. Richard Healy, what's the pod's opinion on the stadium updates this week? Uh, uh, what, re- have you re- seen the re- vid- video of the, uh, Yeah. yeah. Oh, that video. Oh, <laughs> um, I, I like, do like a good bit of technology. And that, um, I, I, was, I was gobsmacked by that. That looks stunning. Um, it's going to be something else. And the speed with which they're putting up the, 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 the single tier stand um, I'm reluctant to call it the cop end, but the, the single tier stand is 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 breathtaking as well. It's gonna have the good thing is you, when they were building it and on match days you were able to walk. If anybody's not been there, you were able to walk in and go to the sort of about the centre circle halfway line, and you could see the rake of the, the the stands, which you don't get to see if you know stand on the centre circle if you're ever going doing stadium tours of any ground. So it was quite unique. It's going to be a hell of a place. A hell of a place. I wonder what, what it's going to be referred to. So if it's not going to be a cop, will it be Will it be our blue wall? Uh, the white wall. Uh, white wall, um, blue wall. Great wall. Um, there's, there, you know, there's a question for the listeners. Send us your suggestions with what it should be called. Apart from the Bill Nicholson end. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Cause, I mean, it's not going to be the Park Lane, even though... Um, Will it be the Paxton? I mean, will that do those for Park Lane? Park Lane Road still exists. Will that effectively be the Paxton? Or will it be whatever it's going to be called, Spurs Plaza? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know I, I think they've they've got to name the stands after um, some players. They've probably got um, plans. I, you know, I'd be happy for it to be named after Daniel Levy and the El Presidente stand or something. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I don't know what it'd be called. At the moment, it's yes. This is the white wall, isn't it? It's not the yellow wall. Yeah, the white wall. White wall. Yeah. Yep. As John said, if you've got any suggestions, um, what it should be called, then um, send us send us those suggestions. Um, the usual channels via Facebook, via the Tom Motsford Family Podcast Facebook page, via Twitter at thf podcast. Um, let us know. Um, final question, Jess Nickel. Can we play Kane and Lorente together? So earlier on, you mentioned about Lorente being a Plan B, um, and I also said that you know if. God forbid, if Kane did get injured, Lorente could, could could come in, either him or Son. But can they play together as a pairing? Yeah, they can. And I think we'll see it before too long. Um, I really do. They are, <laughs> Lorente's um, a good player. Kane's a very good player. And I don't think... Have we ever seen Kane with a second striker for extended periods? Um, the most that we've seen, um, and this is... Um, I could go further back to when AVB was manager, but under Pochettino, um, there was a period, I think, last season against Everton, possibly, ironically, where Janssen and Kane played together. I think Janssen came off the bench. And also possibly Palace at home. I don't think, okay. I don't think Janssen finished that game. Um, I think Kane might have played slightly off Janssen. I can't remember how he lined up. And there was... Very early, earlier on in the Pochettino era, when we played with Adebayor up front, and Kane played as one of the three behind behind um, Adebayor. It'd be interesting. I mean, I, we're not going to go. Pochettino doesn't tend to play four four two in the traditional sense. So, would he play 
two out and out strikers. I presume Kane, Kane would play slightly off Lorente. Uh, how would that affect the rest of the team? The I can see it going three five two quite easily, quite easily. Like I say, Trippier and Davis putting crosses in for Lorente. Kane just uh, sitting a little bit off him behind him, souping anything that comes out up. Um, and then that you draw defenders in that leaves space for Ericsson and Ali to do their stuff. I could see it working quite well. Do you think I, that, I really, really want to see it? Do you think they'll start together? Because I can certainly foresee situations where Lorente will come off the bench and play with Kane, and we'll have two strikers, and one of them would be withdrawn. But do you think Pochettino will line up that way? Um, possibly cup matches. Let's see if we get mm. a, if we get a, a Wickham Wanderers again, or 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 a Millwall or something. There's no reason why we couldn't. You know, I'm, I'm sure that they'll look at it objectively in training and think, yeah, that'll work. You know, so yeah, I, I, why not? Poch is, a, Poch is, is a, a magician and a mastermind when it comes to tactics, and if he thinks it's going to work, it'll work. Well, he is magic, you know. He is definitely magic. <laughs> um, right. Um, the next podcast, well, we shall be recording next Sunday. Um, Bex will join me for that one, and um, we'll have a new voice on the podcast. Ian Morton will be, will be joining us. Um, that's next Sunday, day after Swansea match. Um, John, as ever, thank you very much. Cheers, Jeff. It's been a pleasure, as always. And until next week, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Good night. in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her.